right. We want to thank you for joining us as we study the Sabbath school lesson together. And at this time, we're going to just begin with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship you together, even though it may be virtually. And now, Father, as we open up your inspired writings, we ask that you open up our hearts. This we pray, Jesus' name, amen. And so it is always good uh, to study the Sabbath school lesson with the theologians of the Daughter of Zion Church. Of course, we have with us um, Elder Tracy and Elder Farrington. And so we are looking at uh, this third lesson in the quarter. Uh, and the lesson is entitled The Everlasting Covenant. The Everlasting Covenant. I just want to read the memory text for this week, which is found in Genesis chapter 17 and verse number seven. And the word of God reads, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And so an everlasting covenant. And so that's that's the thing that we, we have to admire about the God that we serve is that God that we serve is a God who keeps his promises. And so this is an everlasting covenant. And so we're going to jump right into Sunday's lesson because uh, we have a lot to get to. And those of you who are watching us, we do want to encourage you to please share. Uh, and we're asking that you like and you comment. Of course, if you have a question or a comment that you want to raise, you can post that. If you want to answer any of the questions that we have today, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, but I want to ask the question. We'll start off with you, Elder Farrington. You can help us out. Uh, what was the covenant promise made to Abram? And how does this promise reveal the gospel? And so if you could help us out with that, um, with that question. Um, the covenant relationship uh, that God sought to establish with uh, Abraham is one based on faith. It's, it's a faith-based um, covenantal relationship here. And it's interesting when you look at Genesis, the uh, 12th chapter, 1 through it, um, 2 and 3, what God, you know, begins to list in detail the things that he would do for Abraham. He said, I will make you a great nation. And he said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And then he says here um, in, in, in verse 1 of that, and told me to get it, get you out of the country from your from your family from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The point I want to make is that God is doing all the doing. He, he's doing all the telling. He say, "Hey, I, I want to enter a relationship with you. Here's all the benefits: great nation, you know, uh, a promised land, and even those who, who bless you um, will be blessed, and those who curse you will be blessed." Um, can I get you to sign on a dotted line in faith here? You know, uh, all, all these things like, you know, who wouldn't sign up for that um, type of, of, of an experience if someone was to tell us and share with us, you know, okay, so you're now going to be promoted, you know, to, um, you know, chief um, information officer, you know, the CIO of a company in response for everything. And not only that, we have a scholarship set up for your kids. So when they graduate high school, uh, um, you know, they, they're going to be able to go to this prestigious school and, 
even those who may be friends with them. We're going to give them a four-year ride, too. And so all this here is is been lined up for Abraham. Uh, and the thing is, is that there was nothing about Abraham, per se, that God would show him his benefit to reward him. So there's nothing about us that uh, we can present to God or bring to the table as bargaining or as some equal value in our relational experience. The only thing here is that we is required in this is faith. And that's what we call justification. You know, so um, we understand that um, you know, they that live, I mean, not that they that live godly should suffer persecution, but that they, that we are justified by faith. And it's the only thing we have to offer is our willingness to believe that he will perform what he said that he would do. And so it's 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 a, it's a building block that allows us to experience God more fully, to have that relationship with him, no matter the, the, if, it, if it's stormy outside, outside or if there is any type of um, um, variance in our lives, if all we can do is hold on and attach ourselves to what God has revealed of himself and what he wants from us, then no matter the, the ups and downs in life, the, the, the trials and the tribulation we will go through, we'll be able to uh, see, uh, have that, those experiences with God. So it's the, be it's the beginning, it's the building block and having that faith-based relationship with him that forms this covenantal relationship that um, permeates our Christian life and lifestyle. Amen, amen. Thank you for that, uh, Elder. And so we uh, want to uh, continue on and maybe Elder Tracy, if you can jump in and answer this same question, um, you know, about this covenant and, and how does it reveal the gospel um, to us? And so what, what's your take on that, Elder Tracy? I think it's beautiful. And, you know, Elder Farrington definitely, he, he went through this process. You have a God who not only looks at Abraham or Abram and says, I'm going to do these great things through your seed and through your name. Um, he, he explains to him or reveals to him the plan of salvation. The idea that I'm going to use you to bless out the world, right? He does that in Genesis chapter 12. And then he goes on in Genesis chapter 15. And then we see it again you know, throughout the stages with Abraham's life. He begins to give him the play by play. So it's one thing to know I'm going to cause you to win, right? You're going to win. You're going, you're going to be a winner and your name's going to be remembered, right? And I'm going to cause you, you, call you, cause you to be called Father Abraham. I'm going to use your seat. I'm going to have literally the world will be blessed through you. Not that you're special, but you just believe. And then he gives him this play by play. And I love what Paul says. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. Paul says in Romans, he says, now to the one who works, ways are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. He says, however, to the one who does not work, but trust God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. I love it. I love it. I love it. Pretty much you don't have to do a thing, but if you trust God, it'll be credit. Ah, it, literally, God is going to give you credit for some mess you didn't even do. But, but based upon the fact that you trust him, he's going to go ahead and credit that to your account of righteousness. And then God says, and here's how I'm going to do it. Now, imagine a God who says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to show you how I'm going to do it. And he begins to lay out to Abram, look, um, the sin of of, of um of this nation has not reached full measure. Your people will be delivered here for 400 years, but they'll come back. And he begins to walk him through. And what he is doing, I love it because we see later on in um in, in Hebrews when, when Paul is making reference, he says, look, 
Abraham, he, he saw these things. He didn't stagger the promise, but he, he believed. He, just, he believed what God was going to do. Though he was dwelling in tents, he looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. A city that has foundations. Literally, Abram's looking for the new Jerusalem based upon promises that God laid in him. And he could believe those promises and held on to them. And then it goes one step further to say, and Abram, I'm going to allow you to understand how I'm going to do it. Many of us in our Christian experience will never get a chance to see the play-by-play. We'll never get a chance to see exactly how they're going to run. I have a good friend of mine, um, a dear a dear brother, who loves a certain football team, right? And he just, I mean, he loves his football team deep down in his heart. And so this week I ran across an article from Sports Illustrated, so I sent him the article. When I sent him the article, my brothers, he, um, it gives you a play-by-play about the last, um, about four plays of how this team botched this, this game and how they end up losing the game. And whether, you know, it's true or not is not of, of no consequence. The idea is this individual is playing Monday morning quarterback and giving a play-by-play about how things could have went differently. But imagine God who does it on Friday before the game. Before the game, and he gives you a play-by-play exactly how it's going to unfold. We serve an awesome God who trusted Abram, not only with the promise, but how he was going to keep his promise bit by bit. And I love this part. I'm going to stop on this. Not just for Abraham, but for all of those of us who will believe. As Paul said, believing and, and grasping onto that faith is for us to see how God is going to unfold his plan for all of humanity to be saved through his son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for that, Elder Tracy. I'm trying my best to <laughs> reserve myself. He's the one who sent me a article about my losing football team. But uh, and of course, I, I, I did not respond to him. <laughs> but, but that's OK. That's OK. So we, we're going to move along. Good points. Good points. And um, and, and obviously, you know, this covenant definitely just shows us the love of God that, that, you know, when we look at uh, the people that he chose, there was nothing special about them, uh, but God was willing to uh, bestow his favor and God is willing to bestow his favor on all of us. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. And this is just, of course, a highlight to what the gospel is all about. And so, while God has a calling on all of us, all of us have a calling and it does not matter where you work. It does not matter how young or old you are. There's a calling on all of us. And God wants to come into a covenant relationship with all of us. I want to ask this question and we'll start with you, Elder Alberry. Um, what are some things that might cause us to forget our covenant with the Lord? And so we see when we study the Old Testament that, that God's people did forget their covenant and they did do things their own way. But how do we, in trying to make it practical, do we forget our covenant with the Lord? What's your take? Thank you so much for the question and happy Sabbath. Uh, one of the things, of course, that we can do is we can allow pride to begin to build up in us. Uh, prior to the fact, to the point that we began to feel like what the blessings that we're receiving are blessings that we're going out and getting ourselves. Uh, all too often, some we find ourselves moving away and not giving God the credit for what what, what God is doing in our lives. Uh, for instance, uh, when we look at uh, the practical application uh, from what the children of Israel did, 
uh, when God had brought them through. Now, keep in mind, this awesome God that had performed all of these miracles out in the desert uh, had delivered them from bondage. Uh, when they get to the promised land, when they get to a point where uh, God is now, as we're talking about this covenant relationship, where God has now put them in a place where they can actually now be covenant with, uh, no longer in bondage. And uh, they begin to allow their surroundings and the people around them to influence them. And so what we find in terms of the application today is that we allow uh, bad people uh, to influence who and what we are. In fact, the Bible says, you know, that bad morals, you know, uh, bad company ruins good morals. And uh, so when we find ourselves today uh, interacting and, and, and hobnobbing and hanging out with those who do not uh, have uh, the same hope that we have, that is, that one day we're going to see Jesus face to face because we're going to uphold the covenant that we've made with him. Uh, in part, it, it, that, that is one of the things that we allow to happen. We allow the influence and the accoutrements of this world to draw us away from Christ as opposed to allowing ourselves uh, uh, to use up, to, to be used to draw uh, others to Christ. When we fail, the prophet of the Lord says that, uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, Israel was, was given this covenant, was given all of this in order to draw others to Christ, right? And, all, and also to let them know that there was a coming Messiah. Similarly, we are given this same covenant, the same promises, but that we are to adhere to and hold to so that we can uplift Christ and draw others to us. So one of the ways uh, to the question, so one of the ways uh, that we begin to do that is we begin to allow the influence of the world to influence us to walk away from the covenant, to walk away from the promise. All right. All right. Thank you for that. Um, we are going to ask um, my dear brother, Elder uh, Tracy, if you could jump in on that question as well. Yeah, I think it's when we begin to walk by sight and not by faith. When we begin to depend on some of the things that um, we're going through to dictate how our path will be made. And so a lot of times we consider the um, situation that the children of Israel ran into. Um, it is that they began to trust in self. They begin to... Um, have this idea that, you know what, um, I have a better way or I have another way. And it's those experiences, even in our lives, sometimes, you know, things come up and we just don't think God planned for it. Um, we just don't think that God anticipated that this could possibly be com coming on at us full speed. You know, it could be a family breakup. It could be um, a situation where, um, you know, father or mother um, ha have broken up or or a child has gone um, just, you know, completely um, sideways or contrary to how we expected their lives would go. And, and, you know, you ended up having to go to see them in prison as opposed to going to their graduation. And so things like that can happen. And, and you begin to doubt the, the promise that God has laid upon your life or even upon the life of your loved ones. And, and, you know, illness is one of the things that we oftentimes, we look at the life of Job and we often look at Job and say, remember um, what happened to Job wasn't based upon something that, um, that Job did. It was just that God was really showing how much love and dedication that Job had for him. And so, but it's when the thing hits your life, when you're experiencing those down times and you're experiencing those illnesses, that that covenant relationship with God is tried and tested because now you have to trust them where you can't necessarily see the end. You can't figure it all out. You know, in, in the blessings of life, you can oftentimes, quote unquote, trust God in the blessings of life. But it's in those disappointments of life, if you can still trust him then, that's when the character is built. And so it's hard, you know, the truth of the matter is, 
I think um, I always go back to the, um, the scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And the Bible says the Amalekites came down to Ziglag and they stole and had taken um, not only the, the, the possessions of David and his men, his 600 men, but they took their wives and their families. And the Bible says the men were, everyone was crying in bitter tears. And, and the men, um, some of them spoke of stoning David. And I love verse six. The Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And I think this, that, that we all as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, have to find a way to encourage ourselves in the Lord, our God, in the midst of adversity. And so it comes down to remembering the creator, um, what he has done for you in times past, remembering the promises that he has kept for you, remembering the goodness of God, even in your failings. And I think if, if we have an opportunity to do that, not that I think, I know if we have the opportunity to do that, but we can cling on to those promises that God has made with us, um, in times of old and that he has kept, it will cause us to be able to stay on online on focus. But if we don't remember what he has done for us, it's going to be very hard for us to hold and cling on to what he's able to do for us in that moment. And so we will end up forgetting. We will end up letting go and slipping and drifting away from his beautiful um, bleeding side. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, I definitely like what um, my brother posted. Uh, Brother Ricky, Mark, that success. And, and so often what, what happens is that we, we, we get so successful that we forget about God. Very good point uh, by, by Ricky. And, and, and sometimes uh, God can't, can't bless us with the things uh, that we so desire because he knows that sometimes some of the things that we're asking for would be an express ticket to hell. And so, but God in his mercy and his love he allows us to go through what we're going through because he knows that it's just going to make us better. And so I definitely want to thank Brother Ricky Mark. For those of you who do not know that this week we were actually able to start our, our, our podcast. And so uh, you'll be able to experience the worship service uh, audibly on podcast. You can go to uh, Apple podcast. You can go to Google podcast, Spotify, and you can be able to to be able to listen to any of our past worship services by simply looking for DOZ Weekly, DOZ Weekly. But we got to move on. Um, and uh, so many different uh, comments are coming through. But what we're, we're looking at, and we're going to try to go to the next day. And uh, we want to talk about this covenant. Here it is. God has made this covenant with his people. He's made a covenant with us today. And, he, and when it comes to our salvation, we know uh, that we are saved by the blood of the lamb. And so God has made this, this covenant with us that, that we'll be saved by what Jesus has done for us. And I want to ask this question to you, Elder Farrington, and help us out. Uh, if we're saved by grace, why must we keep the Ten Commandments? God has created this covenant for us of salvation and we're saved by grace. But now why do we need to keep the Ten Commandments? What's your, your take on that? Um, our, our keeping of the commandments is not so much in um, to be saved, as you said before, we are saved by grace. It's, it's the result or it's the expression 
of our uh, entering into this covenantal relationship with God. It's an expression of our commitment to this relationship that we honor him with the words of, of our mouth and, and, and the activity of our limbs in, in, in regards to this covenantal relationship. So it's nothing that we can do to be saved, but it's how we express our belief, our attachment, the value of our relationship that we will honor the Lord. And it's no different to any relationship that we're in, um, you know, with, with, with our, with a spouse or a significant other, or when you look at the fact, if you have a job, you know, you go to work and you put in time, you look to get paid. And so you, you don't expect to get paid if you don't show up. But here's the thing. It's like, God's, you know, let us know that it's not by the mere fact of doing, he says, many shall say unto me, Lord, Lord, in that day, you know, or, you know, the, you know, we, we speak things with our lips, but our hearts are far from them. I don't know about you, but I've been on jobs where I was looking forward to, you know, uh, looking to get out or trying to find that next job. You know, I would come to work dressed the same, looked like everyone else, went into the same break room, you know, um, you know, had conversation, logged in and, you know, Every now and then I slip out an email, you know, with my resume attached, you know, trying to hope that an, an employer or somebody, you know, would respond to it. And the same thing here, like when we come to church or when we're in this relationship with God, you know, we can't mark by doing the um, indication or the expression of our relationship, you know, because we can fool many in regards to how we're looking, how we're dressing. But it's that heart. You know, when the heart is attached, then what comes out of the mouth and our activity is a direct connection. That's why God doesn't look at our outward acts only, but it's, he looks at the root of that in terms of our belief, our value system. So we'll never be saved by works, but it's, it's because we have entered into this relationship as we looked at Abraham, the life of Abraham, and he talked about, you know, how he would bless him then what more can we want to do than to honor him, to thank him, to worship him, to praise him? And that's what the relationship is all about, just to honor, to praise, to worship him. And he would do all the other part. He would fight our battles. He would bless us. Um, and he would give us uh, anything that we need to be able to carry out this, um, this, this mission to let this gospel live in us so that others around us will be attracted to him through us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And we do appreciate those of you who are sending your comments in. I really do like uh, that comment uh, from Sister Hines uh, uh, because grace is a gift. Keeping the commandments is showing how grateful we are for the gift. And so that's that we're showing our love and our appreciation by keeping the Ten Commandments. Uh, and again, of course, Sister Cerise. Uh, she has uh, said uh, some, somewhat similar to the same thing. It's a way to show our love, to fear and honor and respect and trust of God because uh, we're so appreciative of what God has done. We're going to show our love by keeping the Ten Commandments. So, uh, Elder Albury, I don't know if you can jump in on that and, and answer that same question. Uh, if grace um, is a gift and we're saved by grace, why do we keep the Ten Commandments? Thank you for the question, Pastor. Uh, grace is a wonderful thing, an absolutely awesome gift. 
But when we speak about the law of God, God's law is immutable. It's not subject to being voided by the fact that he's now showing us grace. Uh, we're still required to keep the law of God. Uh, grace simply uh, uh, forgives us when we break the law. It does not do away with the law. Paul speaks about, you know, the faith that one has to believe that somehow the grace, uh, if you will, uh, allows them to make void the law. But he says there in Romans 3.31, uh, do we then make void the law through our faith? And he said, God forbid, we establish the law. In other words, every time we sin, it puts us face to face with the law. But all too often, we uh, feel that the law has been altered or done away with because we haven't suffered the penalty yet. And the, and the reason for that is simply because Jesus paid the penalty on the cross. So we haven't paid the penalty for our sins yet. You know, and it's just amazing that, you know, the question could be asked, how do you get rid of something that's perfect? The Bible says that the law of God is perfect there in James 1.25. And he also uh, there, uh, says there in, in, in that particular text that the man that looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that being the commandments, and continue with therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. There is a blessing in keeping the commandments. He goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 12, so, so uh, he, he wants you to speak uh, as they do that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So he, here's the question, that if indeed the law is done away with, how are we going to be judged? The Bible makes it very clear that it's through this law. I understand, and I know that we give this application quite oftentimes, so I'll just sort of rehearse it once again. If I'm driving down I-95 and the speed limit is 65 miles an hour, and I'm doing 100 miles an hour, I've broken the law. Uh, but if FHP stops me and pulls me over and he sees I'm having a bad day, I give him a soft story, and he uh, says, okay, I understand things aren't going very well for you now, but so what I want you to do, I want you to slow down and don't do this again. I'm going to let you go. I've just experienced grace. I broke the law, but I didn't suffer the penalty by going to court and paying a big hefty fine for doing a hundred. But once I, once I, he, once he drove off and I drove off, the law was still in effect. It's just that I was shown grace. So it is this grace, this wonderful unmerited favor that God shows to us is given uh, to us uh, because uh, when we break the law, God gives us his grace to be able to get up again and to keep the law. It's given to us because he knows that we cannot pay the penalty for breaking the commandments. Grace reminds us that we are lawbreakers, but it also reminds us that he is a grace giver, the one who forgives us for breaking the law that is immutable and not subject to change based upon the whims of man. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. And of course, the comments are coming in. We appreciate that. Appreciate that. And so um, we are going to try to move forward. We're going to try to move forward. And one of the things that uh, we're going to look at now and we're uh, turning the page, going to another day. And there's so much that we need to get to. Uh, but I, I want to look at a passage of scripture uh, found in Deuteronomy chapter five and verse three. Deuteronomy chapter five and verse three, and I'm just going to read it for you. And the word of God says, the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us who are all of us here alive this day. And, and I want to ask you, Elder Tracy, when you read this passage, you hear this passage, what does that mean? And what does that mean for us today? What, what's your, your take on uh, the breakdown? We need our theologians to help break down these passages for us. 
I think it's beautiful. You know, the idea that um, not my father, not my mother, but it's me this time standing in the need of prayer. And then the idea that, you know, Moses is saying he didn't make this with your fathers. Um, he's making it with you. It's making it so personal, making it so real, so practical and applicable to their current experience. And that idea of, you know, we, we float this word around. It's, we had this almost like a stain on it in, in some respects because some um, subsects of individuals who used to be believers have taken it and they've contorted it. But present truth, you know, God, as the Bible talks about him being our present help. And, and, and this is a present truth that God is saying, actively, I'm making a promise with you. It's not a promise that I just made to Abraham. But as I was explaining to Abraham, it's going to flow from him. And it's, it's, a, it's a flowing, moving covenant. It's a, it's a moving promise. And so as, a, as Moses standing before them and letting them know, look, um, this, is a, this is a promise that, that God is um, not, not relying on, on your fathers of old or, or it's not something that was you know, just applicable to them, but he's saying, I'm actively making a promise with you. It, it is a reminder that God is saying, every man must give an account for their own relationship, their own walk, and their own um, expression of God's grace in their lives. And so it can't be contingent or it can't be something that was in the past or something that took place um, some time ago. It is a, um, an everlasting gospel. Um, and a lesson brought out beautifully in, in the earlier days, the everlasting gospel pre-existing, something that has always been there and something that will always be there. And so as you see these generations coming to, um, come into, um, into existence, God is saying, look, I'm, I'm setting up a, a covenant with you, actively with you. And so um, the idea, and I'm just going to use this um, parallel of circumcision. You know, when um, God first introduced circumcision, he didn't say, OK, I'm doing it here for this set of individuals. It was something that was perpetual throughout all generations. And I love what the Apostle Paul, as he understood through the spirit of that law of circumcision, he says, look, it is not based upon the flesh. It's based upon the heart. And so each individual has to have a circumcised heart. Again, this transcends gender, right? And now it's going into the idea that every man, woman, boy, girl has to have an experience with God where he is now able to cut away at the, at the stony areas and, and, and get into the fleshy areas of your heart and cause his law to be there, establishing his covenant, establishing his promise. And I'll say this, and I'm done. The idea of God establishing his promise with you is not a fruit of you just showing God's promises, but it's an opportunity for God to manifest his promises and his covenant in your life. You will truly blossom. And that's why I love how, um, you know, you brought up earlier, Elder, regarding what James said. And I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 19. He says, look, the law of the Lord is perfect. In other words, it does these things for you. Uh, more precious and, and sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Like he just goes real deep into the idea of the law of God. In other words, the covenant of God, if you keep it, it will cause you just to flourish and cause things to flow in your life as well. Amen. 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 Elder Farrington, if you could jump in on that and what's your take on this question? With me, the, the story of Esau and Jacob. Um, where Isaac had blessed uh, um, Jacob um, with the uh, for having the birthright, it was stolen from him. And when Esau discovered it, he said, "Father, bless me too." 
you know, do you have one more blessing for me? Now imagine, imagine if the the the, um, the the covenantal promise that God had entered to Abraham had already passed. And they had inherited the promised land. Uh, God had had caused Abraham to see a vision where their children was going to be, you know, subjected for 400 years. You know, imagine if that was uh, in past tense. And here we are today. Uh, we will be like Esau, you know, father, do you have one more blessing? If it had expired already, David said, I would have fainted if I have not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If that was just past tense. You know, uh, if nobody else was getting healed from cancer, if nobody else was being recovered from leprosy, if there was no more feeding of the multitudes, um, how would we feel serving a God who had an expiration date on his blessing, on his provision, and where his children could no more see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? So Esau wept aloud and he said, Father, do you have one more blessing? Now, I like how Paul said, he said, I watered. Uh, he said, I planted Apollo's water, but God gives the increase. We all have a part to play in this uh, in, in this year in terms of the movement of the gospel. And we're, whereby where um, there are certain things that God has shown Abraham. Now, I, I can't, you know, I'm not as a parent, you know, I know my, 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 my mother and father had to sacrifice so that I could have, but they felt honor in doing so, knowing that their children would be fed, knowing that they'll have better clothes to wear than they do, will go to school in places that they couldn't go to. And here Abraham has been shown in vision. He said, hey, your children is going to inherit the promised land. Now, Abraham didn't get to see the promised land. He saw it by faith, but that was that swelled his heart. Knowing that he was a sojourner, he had to pass through land. He had to pass his wife off as his sister. And knowing that he was going to, his children was going to inherit a land. And so when we look at the promises of God, while he has shown many in vision, he said, and Joel says, Yo, you know, say, I'm going to pour out my, uh, my spirit upon all flesh. And he said, your, your, your young man should see dreams and your, your, your daughters. And, and he should let us know what's to come. And all I'm saying is, is that, the best is yet to come. Even though we have experienced some things along the way, he's not out of, uh, he's not bankrupt, you know, in terms of his goodness and his salvation and his ability to provide, as I said uh, last week, provision. He gave it, gave Abraham the vision and we're being able to reap the provision. So the, the vision is for the caring forth of the gospel. The provision is making sure that all God's biddings are his enablings and so that we'll be able to carry this gospel across the finish line amen amen really want to thank you um elder farrington i see that you you're getting warmed up those who don't know <laughs> elder farrington he's going to be preaching at the today and and it seems like the lord has been speaking to him boy he's, he's ready to preach praise the lord praise the lord so we we've got to uh cover some more ground and there is a lot um there's a lot to, to get to. And I, again, I do want to thank all of you who are making comments. Uh, that's a great point, Sister Hines. God won't spend our inheritance. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, but we're, we're going to try to go to Wednesday's lesson. Wednesday's lesson, which is entitled His Special People, His Special People. And Elder Albury, if you can can help us out with this, this next question, um, 
how are God's people to be special? How are God's people to be special? We're special people. People um, they are supposed to be different. How are we to be special? Thank you for the question. Uh, because they have been called out and set aside for a very special purpose. Uh, that purpose, of course, was to be a mouthpiece for God, to spread the gospel, uh, God's word. Uh, they were special because they were given the wonderful responsibility of telling the world. And we, we got to understand that this is this responsibility of sharing God's word, his truth, is an awesome blessing. It is not a burdensome responsibility. So it was their responsibility uh, to go out and tell the world, uh, with, uh, uh, keeping in mind that they were going to be encountering all of these um, uh, nations that believed in pagan gods and uh, rituals and sacrifices. So their, their mission was to go and let them know with this special message that they had been given, that there's a God who created the heaven and the earth and the sea and the wood that they carved their gods out of. They were to be the expositors of God's message to the world um, uh, that believed in all kinds of evil things. Uh, there in Deuteronomy 18, they were to they they encountered folks, and God already knew that they were going to encounter nations that believed in astrology, witchcraft, uh, calling up the dead, sacrificing their children to false gods. Uh, they had uh, witnessed all of that in Egypt. They had been exposed to all of this. And so now uh, here we are uh, in a place where they, when they were in Egypt, where they practiced idolatry, where they sacrificed to false gods, uh, had elaborate ceremonies to honor their false gods. Bible says that they would even make their children pass through the fire. And what they would do is they would build these altars and have fire emanating from it. And they make their children jump across the fire. And so they would pass through the fire, if you will. And, uh, and so what would happen there is that if they didn't get burned, then it would mean that their gods favorite that individual and that individual can go about and do no wrong. Right? And so God knew that they were going to be encountering nations that believed in all of this. So God brought his people, a special people who survived 40 years ordeal in, in the desert. Uh, keep in mind, they were special because now in the desert, understand there's no water in the, in the desert and water regulates temperature. So by day, he became an air conditioner for his folks. By night, he became a heater for them. Because in the daytime, if you've ever been in the desert, at daytime, it is burning up. And at nighttime, it's freezing because there's nothing to regulate the temperature. But this regulator that we call God did it for them. So he did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. If being a part of all of that isn't special, I, I, I don't know what makes you special. When you see the abundance of God's blessing being bestowed upon you time and time again, it makes you special. But however, they were special in the sense that God called them. And when you get the call from God to go and to help to build his kingdom, how much you can't get any more special than that. And so here they were, these folks who God had called out of bondage, understood that they were slaves, and he endowed them with the blessings of heaven. So much so that and I'll close with this understand that while they were out in the desert, we're talking about specialness, right? And so we sometimes we miss the little things that happen. So for 40 long years, God baked food in heaven's kitchen and delivered it to him, delivered it to them, right? And he caused water to come from a rock. Pick up a rock and break it open and see if you find any water in it. And so he began, to, he showed them time again for 40 long years, how special they were. Right? And so they were so special that God, when he made the covenant, right? Now understand, 
that um, when we talked about their fathers, when uh, he made it very clear that while I went up into the mountain to get these tablets, they're for all of us. Well, uh, our fathers are gone. Now, their spiritual fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were gone. They didn't need to have it codified because they understood it and they kept it. But for slaves coming out of bondage, they needed some reminder. So God etched it himself, didn't trust Gabriel to bring it down. He came, he condescended himself to come down to a dusty mountain to write it himself and to give it to his people. If that's not, I, 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 let me, let me, I'm getting excited. Because when you, when you consider how blessed they were, how special God made them, they, they were special people. God made it very clear that they were special. But now that I've made you special, I want you to tell every nation you encounter about this special God that brought you through. Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, Arbery, you, you preaching somewhere too, man. You, you, all these guys are just fired up today. All of you guys are fired up. We really do appreciate that. Uh, some good, good comments. Um, we do want to, of course, remind all of you that, that we are all special. You know, all of us are special. We all have a calling on God's life and on, on our lives. And God wants us to be holy. And again, a lot of people, we get all uh, mixed up when we hear this word holy. But all holy means to be is to be set apart. We're to be different. We're not to be like the world. We're not to be like um, the culture of this world. Uh, but, but this is what we have to understand. And so God's people were set apart and we're set apart. Uh, we're special in God's eyes. But sometimes uh, when we understand how special we are, there are issues. And I want to ask this question to you, Elder Tracy, if you could just help us out. Um, what are the dangers of thinking God loves one group of people more than another? What, what is your, your take on that question for us? Um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. You know, we talk about how special we are and how these individuals are set aside for a special purpose and how much God um, loved them and how much he entrusted to them as well. And I think that's one of the things we often miss. We, we look at special and we consider the special gifts that God gave them, but we don't consider the special work that they were supposed to do. We consider the special um, um, covering and blessings that he covered them with, but we don't really recognize or accept the special ministry that they were entrusted with. And so, um, you know, even today, as we recognize that God has still a special group of people to do a special work, we kind of get blindsided by the blessings and we keep thinking that we are better. And even in this day and age of, um, of, you know, these last days, this pandemic and things of that nature, people make some really reckless statements. They talk about the fact that because they are special, um, they don't have to worry about protecting themselves or protecting others because they are special or under God's covering, under God's blanket. And as though um, an infection can't reach them. You have individuals who believe that they are um, special and, and somewhat absolved from experiencing um, um, some of the things that take place in his life. And, and so one of the things I, I think we have to really focus on is the idea of being special by God was to fulfill a special purpose. And we were supposed to do the work. We are and we were supposed to do a work back in um, ancient Israel time and during the time of um, of. Christ's ministry, and also supposed to carry out a work in these last days. And we continually miss the mark. And what I mean by that, Jesus says in John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. 
That's the special work. That that was a special work that the, the, the children of old were supposed to carry out. They were especially called and to be lifted up by God that they could draw others unto them. And what happened was they were lifted up. And I think um, Brother Mark brought it up earlier and their hearts were lifted up with it. So the idea was the humility factor, the idea of where they came from, the idea of how they arrived, where they um, where they are. They kind of missed that whole point and kept thinking we're special, we're set apart. And you get this idea of, of haughtiness and this idea, you know, all kind of prejudices step in to play. These ideas of superiority come into play. And we have it within um, our societal structure. We know we have it there. We have just um, literally um, all manners of, of, of separatism. And then we have it within our church organization. We have a lot of um, levels of hierarchy. And the sad thing about it is we have that same hierarchy from a world church dealing with the same issues of um, societal ills and, 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 and colorism. And we have it within our own um, regional conferences and within our state conferences. So we literally have a problem within our local churches, that same idea of hierarchy. And one of the things that I thought was very interesting, um, the, you know, the idea of, of, you know, look at me, revere me based upon church office, church title, family name, status, and, and, and this idea that I'm special and not realizing that specialness means you are lifted up to draw others unto Christ. And so Jesus Christ, when he speaks to this point, he says, look, the hour of the judgment of this world is, is, is now at hand. And, and, and so, Father, I'm glad that you have said that you're going to glorify me and you're going to glorify your work through me because if I'm lifted up, I can draw. He literally realized that when God spoke out for everyone to hear, <clears throat> it was so that People would recognize and be drawn unto the love of Christ. And if we could get that point in this day, in this day and age that we are being lifted up, we are being preserved as a people, being preserved as a special treasure in God's sight to draw all men and women unto him, we could do a powerful work in these last days. And so I think that if we can just kind of recalibrate ourselves into the love of God, we'll do a great work in these last days to draw others unto his bleeding side and experience the love of Christ. And knowing, as Sister Hines said, he died for all of us, not for a group of us, but for all of us. And so loved the world. Amen. Amen to that. We, we definitely want to thank our, our preachers. I shouldn't even say theologians. Our preachers for today um, really brought seasoning to the study of this lesson, um, this everlasting covenant. God is a God who keeps his promises and we are special in his sight and, and it does not matter what we've done in times past it does not matter what's even going on right now he wants to have a relationship with us we're not going to be able to get to thursday's lesson but in thursday's lesson it brings the point out that that god is our father he wants to have that family relationship with us he is our protector he is our god uh he is the lover of our soul and so uh, the key is, is that we cannot forget him. That's the key. Uh, but we we have to, unfortunately, uh, all good things must come to an end. And we have to bring this lesson to a close. Uh, but we do want to remind you that at, at 11 o'clock today, we will have our divine worship. And we are going to have with us a very special guest preacher. Uh, we're going to be having the youth director of our conference, Pastor Prince Lewis. Uh, he will uh, be with us today, and uh, he, I believe, is going to be preaching on the subject, Dress for the Occasion, Dress for the Occasion. And so you want to make sure uh, that you tune in for that. 
Uh, we do want to let you know again, we want to thank Brother Mark, Ricky Mark. He set us up for podcasts and you're going to be able to praise the Lord, be able to enjoy uh, this, this, this broadcast that we just had audibly on podcasts. You can go through Apple uh, podcasts or Spotify or even Google podcasts. Again, want to thank Brother Ricky Mark helping us out. He's a friend of the church. And uh, those of you who know him well, please talk to him. We're going to try to convince him to move his membership. Praise the Lord. Over to DOZ. Praise the Lord. Um, we do want to, to let you also know that we had a business meeting about a week or two ago. And praise the Lord, we are going to be reopening. I know that we've been doing it virtually for quite some time, but we are in the process of trying to reopen. And um, we're going to be reopening. And uh, I see that soon. Ricky Mark says soon he's going to move his membership. Praise the Lord. Amen to that. Um, and so uh, but we're going to be reopening very soon. And, and, and what we're going to do, the goal is definitely the last Sabbath of this month. Uh, which is October the 30th. We're going to try to see if we could do it for next week, uh, but but that's going to maybe be a stretch. But if you have not yet signed up for our text alerts, please sign up for our text alerts uh, by simply add, um, texting the word add to the number that's right there on your screen. And by doing that, you'll be able to be informed and to know if we are going to be able to open up next week. Uh, but, but we're definitely going to open up on the 30th, on the 30th. Um, and of course, we are just so happy uh, for uh, Sister Stevens, who are watching us uh, for uh, of all the way from Jamaica. Amen. All the way from Jamaica. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, of course, uh, we're just so happy that you're watching us. We do also want to remind you that tomorrow uh, we're going to have a work day. Tomorrow we're going to have a work day. And this is what's going to help us to open up. And hopefully, uh, if we can get as much support as we can, all the members, uh, young and old, to be a present tomorrow. I'm not sure what time that is, uh, Brother Taylor. If you could just text me that, the time for tomorrow that all of uh, men, women, boys and girls can show up to help us. And if we get things in place, possibly we can open up this upcoming Sabbath. Um, and if not, then it will definitely be on the 30th. And so we're going to end with a word of prayer. And if we could just have uh, Elder Albury, Elder Albury, uh, at 9 a.m., Elder uh, Brother Taylor is telling me 9 a.m., we're going to have our work day uh, so that we could try to open up for possibly next Sabbath, but definitely the 30th. And so, Elder Albury, if you could just give us our closing prayer. Certainly, so let us pray. Father God, we are grateful and we thank you for the Sabbath days you've given us and be able to come together as children uh, to worship at your divine loving throne. We ask now, Father God, that as we continue on throughout this Sabbath day, that your Holy Spirit that is present with us even now will continue to be with us and guide us and, 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 and just allow the blessings of heaven to fall upon us. We ask that all that we see and do from this point going forward as well uh, would be a blessing and may draw others to you because that is the calling that you've given us. That is to lift your name up on high. And so we pray, Father God, that you would continue to bless us. We pray that you would, uh, above everything we could ever begin to ask of thee, uh, to prepare us and, and help, help us to be ready to meet you when you come so that we may go back and spend eternity with you. We ask now that you would continue to bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 God bless you all. Uh, hopefully you'll tune in at 11 o'clock. Thank you.